Radio Drome. And welcome to another episode of Radio Drome. I am Josh, and with me, as always, is Brad Jones. Hey, how's it going? It is going all right. 1201beyond at gmail.com. You can email us. Or there's the forum under Lost in the Static, of course, on the Jackalope website where you can comment and tell us how much we suck. <laughs> I've also added forums to uh, my website, too. Awesome. So go to thecinemasnob.com and check out the forums there. Now, the other thing is, those of you who have been making comments about Radiodrome on Brad's site, I really have been trying to respond to you. Brad's website doesn't like me. (laughs) Brad's website keeps tagging every one of my responses to one of you people as spam. And I have to have him clear it. And la- yeah, exactly. Going through, I I did this last week. Going through the log of uh, which I guess that's convenient that I can do this. Go through the log of comments, and I see stuff that it automatically marks as spam, and it's all spam. It is, which is kind of funny because it, it misses a lot of spam too. Just look at the Troll Two page on there. It's thousand comments, and eight hundred of them are spam. Nice. But so so yeah, I found yours. Okayed is not being spam, and then sure enough, a couple of days ago, it happened again. So th- there are those of you out there who like asked me a direct question, and it seemed like I didn't get back to you. I really did try. Just Brad's what Brad's website wouldn't let me. So. <laughs> So there is that. Um, My website's making you look like a jerk. <laughs> well, it can't really make me look worse than I actually am. Because <laughs> I kind of am a jerk. <laughs> Interestingly, we've got some, by the fact that we're on the internet on Jackalope, we got some fan mail from as far away as Serbia. Really? Yeah. Got a, a Serbian guy. I've been uh, emailing him back and forth. He's a big fan. Oh, very cool. So it's cool that we're reaching Serbia, although unfortunately when he said he's from Serbia, a Serbian film was the first thing that entered my head. Dude, Ooh. that was the first... I, I hear you. That was the first thing I thought of. I was like, oh man, is this some guy writing to me like, uh, how dare I not like a Serbian film? No, he just he loves the show, and just oh, he, that's cool. he's in Serbia. Mm-hmm. So I think that's interesting that we're reaching that far. We're corrupting the minds and wasting an hour of people as far away as Serbia. Yeah, fantastic. You got anything you want to get out of the way right away? Well, I already put out that uh, I uh, put up uh, forums on my site, uh, which is something that I have wanted to do for a while but never really got around to it because the program that I use, my site doesn't have a forums feature, so I had to do like the third-party site kind of thing and just sort of attach it to my website. So, yeah, now on thecinemasnob.com, you can go on there, and it's the only forum online that has both a Pierre Kirby section and a Crystal Pepsi section. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I saw the Crystal Pepsi stuff at MAGFest that people were were having back Crystal Pepsi stuff. I was there in spirit. (laughs) Do you think they actually will bring it back? Uh... They won't bring it back if they hate money. I don't know. I mean, you know, as as far as this 
you know, the whole thing we've been doing with Crystal Pepsi, I think that's great that it's built up its own cult following, its own audience. There's, there's a ginormous amount of people that want this stuff to come back. I think that's great. As to if they're actually going to do it, I have no idea. I mean, these companies tend to tend to be a little more retro now than they used to with doing, uh, you know, Pepsi, Mountain Dew throwback and stuff like that. So it wouldn't su- it wouldn't surprise me, yet it would. Does that make sense? Yes. Uh, if uh, if they ended up bringing it back, I mean, you, you know, all the fans and everything have have written to Pepsi uh, and have written to their Twitter, so they have to be aware that this drink has a following. There are people who would who would totally drink this. See, that's what I don't I don't understand. I drank Crystal Pepsi when it was new. I yeah, hated me it. too. I actually had it two days before it actually hit the shelf because I worked at a grocery store and they sent oh, a, cool. they sent a free sample case to the mm-hmm. grocery store when I was in high school. And yeah. I didn't like it then. So I don't see I why I'd like it now. <laughs> I did like it then. I did like it then. Uh, and, uh, and, you know, honestly, truth be told, if you get an 18-year-old bottle of Crystal Pepsi, it pretty much tastes the same. It doesn't taste much different. I've, I've, I've noticed that about sodas, though. I mean, yeah, there is a little bit of a difference, but not substantial. So, yeah, I liked, I liked the stuff back then. I, I, I thought it was really good, and I think that it would be, if they are gonna, if they are gonna re-release it, you know, re-release it is just like a limited edition thing, you know? Advertise it as a limited edition. And that, watch the sales with it being, rack up. Yeah, exactly. With it being called limited edition, that right there will bring in more people to buy the stuff. Exactly. Um, and it, also people who were too young to drink it back then or who were born after it came out. You know, those people know what Crystal Pepsi is see, and I'm would the try same it. Way, I'm the same way with New Coke. I remember trying it, but I don't remember what it tastes like. And I know they came out with that Coke 2 crap a couple of years ago. But but everyone tells me that remembered it from back then that it still didn't taste the same as New Coke. I want to Coke. taste. I want to taste what real New Coke. I did a comparison like of. Uh, I did a comparison of New Coke and Coke 2, and New Coke was one of those things when it was out. If I had it, I don't remember. And uh, uh, I did a. I did do New Coke on the. Uh, one thing that I that I heard about New Coke is from uh, from like my dad and people was was them saying that basically it just tasted like Pepsi. Pretty much. Um, it was a sweeter cola drink, even though it was advertised as not being a sweet cola drink. It was. See, uh, um, the, the thing I really like regarding movies and New Coke is yeah. that when they brought Coke back as Coca Cola Classic. Yeah, that creates a nice continuity problem with all movies made after that that take place before it. Yeah, you don't know how many yeah. times I've seen a movie that takes place in the 1950s, and you can clearly see on the can or bottle it says "classic" after it. Yeah. Um, like and House of a Thousand do- Corpses, the cokes they drink, you can see the word "classic" underneath it. Yet it takes place mm-hmm. in the 70s. So it, you that's, know, that's bizarre because it's not hard to find. It's not hard to find an old Coca-Cola bottle. Or if you have a movie budget, you could make one. You could have yeah, the prop could- department make one. Yeah, I mean, something like that, I just got to chalk up to. They just weren't thinking about it, you know? Well, see, uh, that, they... that happens a lot. You, you've got time-based continuity problems, such as, like, the Porky's movies. I think in all four Porky's movies, there's a reference to Star Trek, despite yeah. the fact that Star Trek wouldn't air until 15 years after those movies take place. Yeah, yeah. They, they constantly uh-huh. make it like, he's dead, Jim, or, you know, um, I, you know I'm giving the engines all she's got, Captain. And it's like, yeah. so are you guys seeing into the future? <laughs> I, I, I saw one that took place in uh, the 40s. It was uh, like a, a racial struggle kind of thing. Yeah. And a guy referenced, uh, I, I'm like Godzilla. 
And I'm going, well, this is like 1944. Godzilla's 1954. So, <laughs> <laughs> way to write, guys. Somebody who just automatically assumes that it came out then and just didn't didn't really double check it. Or like Patch Adams, the Robin Williams movie. Uh, I can't remember when that takes place. I'm sure a listener can correct me, but I think it's the 70s. There's all 90s cars in the backgrounds and things, and they have a digital answering machine at the hospital in the 70s. The uh, like the sequel to uh, the sequel to Dumb and Dumber takes place in the '80s, and it's got a scene where he's listening to Vanilla, to Vanilla Ice. Ice. I remember that, yeah. And it's also got a modern Pepsi machine in the background. Continuity's not that hard, guys. I don't I don't know why this is so difficult to get continuity right. If you're yeah, doing a period piece. You should research the period it came from. Yeah, and also it's it's not like I said. It's just one of those things. I think it just it just passes them by when that happens. Like with the Coca Cola bottles. Like you just said, I think that they just didn't think about it because if they did, I mean, I've got old peps. I've got old Coca Cola bottles in my cabinet. You know, an old bottle of Coke, empty, empty bottle of Coke right. online is not going to cost you anything. But yeah, it's it's like someone like Rob Zombie just said. Eh, nobody's going to notice that these are modern bottles of Coke that they're drinking in 1974. And it, to me, that's just that's lazy. Just, it is lazy because you got soda geeks like myself who would notice that. Well, see, I, I always I always like to notice weird crap like that. Mm-hmm. Whereas if uh, let's say a, a movie was made in the 90s, but it takes place in 1981, and they're playing yeah. and they're playing Super Mario Brothers. Yeah, I go no, no, that didn't happen like that. <laughs> uh, a, a really good one was Aaron Brockovich. I, I, I think that takes place in eight late eighties, early nineties. Yeah, I early nineties, I think. And there are posters on like the, his the, her son's got a Jurassic Park movie poster on his wall. Yeah, when they're at Walmart, you can clearly see the ads for PlayStation. Yeah, and things like that, and you go, no, this shouldn't have been that hard to make the Walmart look. You know, just take down all the things that didn't exist when the movie took place. This yeah. shouldn't be that hard. I've had to uh, be careful with that. On two of the movies that I did were period pieces. Uh, I did a movie called Freak Out that took place in the late seventies, and I did Midnight Heat, which took place in the eighties. Um, it's when you're on a shoestring budget, meaning hardly any None. budget at all, like like we were. It's 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 you gotta watch out for so you gotta be very very careful you know and in the case of freak out a cup there's there's a couple of uh times like it shows uh the caligula soundtrack even though the movie takes place before caligula came it takes place after caligula was made but before it came out okay um and there's like a modern thermostat on the wall in the background that you know, you'd really only notice if you were looking for it. Um, but it's it's you know it's one of those things we just we just plain didn't didn't notice it. If we did, have it. But and in the case of Midnight Heat, I mean, we had to be very careful with like modern cars turning up in the background. And for the most part, we got it. Like there weren't i mean i think there was like one part where it off in the dark background in the corner of the screen you can you can kind of see one but you you, you yeah. do realize now that you pointed that out everyone's going to go check out your movie and be looking for that exact scene right yeah just yeah to, well mid, midnight heat's not it. midnight heat's not posted up yet but freak out is so <laughs> the movie takes place in uh i thought midnight oh, heat was on your site i saw it there at some point uh the trailer oh, is oh the trailer okay the trailer for it's up but yeah, Midnight Heat. There was a uh, there's I think there's a modern billboard that accidentally got in the background in one shot, 
and there's uh I think like there's the edge of a car in the background off off in the background but for the most part I mean for working on a on like with with no crew or anything like we had it you know we we did a lot better than the guys who did the sequel to Dumb and Dumber <laughs> well but but then you have this on the other side of the token you got people that have more money than god for their yeah. movie and you know they've still got uh, Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon. There are numerous times when, d- during some of the action scenes, you know they got have those big sleeves on the yeah. on their arms. You can clearly see the wristwatch on the actor and things. Yeah, and you go, yeah. You go really? You couldn't have asked the actor to take his wristwatch off just yeah. in case the sleeve went up a little too high. You know, it's like you or uh, there's there's the classic one from Gladiator where during the uh, chariot scene you can clearly see when the the flaps fly up. You can clearly see the like oxygen tanks that are making all the smoke. Yeah. Yes. And yes. Like, exactly. Th- that should not happen on movies with that much money. On a yeah. Roger Corman budget, fine. On a Ridley Scott budget, not a chance. No. No. Not That's at the way all. I look at mm-hmm. it. Is to me continuity things like that. Yeah, I, I can be I can be pretty forgiving when something like that happens on uh, happens on a lower budgeted movie. Yeah, like during the capture of Bigfoot, if you see the guy in the Bigfoot suit, you know if you can see his boots when the camera pans down too low, I'm fine yeah. with that because they had no budget. Yeah. Whereas if if you see that in you know a Michael Bay film, you go, oh, that's no, <laughs> I, I, I can't let that go. <laughs> I, I'm sorry, I can't let that go. I had no idea Transformers was supposed to take place in the early 60s. Just terrible anachronisms in this. The third one does. Yeah, yeah, I did see the teaser for well, the third uh, one. I think it's late 60s, actually, but yeah. It's... Well, it starts out with the moon landing. Yeah, that's just, oh my god, that's that's insulting to everybody, I think. <laughs> you know, I, I think, because yeah. I just watched, I just watched, I know it's a new movie, and it's not really part of what our show is supposed to be about, I just watched Resident Evil Afterlife the other night. Oh, what'd you think? The only way I can describe it is the stupid. It burns. <laughs> Good God, that 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 is probably the worst written mainstream movie I've seen in a long, long time. It I think, was. I didn't think. I didn't think it was more poorly written than like Last Airbender. I haven't but seen that though. Last Airbender is a hundred minutes of all exposition dialogue. So Resident Evil Afterlife. It was one of those deals where this this movie is insanely stupid, but it's for, forgettable for the most part. I mean, in terms of its badness, it's really bad. But I almost wish it was kind of insultingly bad, because then I'd at least have some sort of emotion towards it. But you know what? Honestly, what probably angered me the most about it was uh, just how lacking the 3D was in the thing. Keep in mind, I saw it on DVD, so I didn't see it in 3D at all. Well, in the theater, seeing it in 3D, I mean, movies like that, you want to be very gimmicky 3D. You do. I mean, if you're going to see it, and it's in 3D, and, and you know... Well, it seemed the, like there was all this stuff that that's something com- like, But, I mean, the movie... It, what? I said it seemed like there was all this stuff that was coming right at the camera constantly. I'm assuming that was all in 3D. Well, I mean, yeah, there are, there are stuff... Like, at the beginning of it, there's stuff that they're kind of throwing at the screen. And then at the end, with uh, Wesker in that white matrix room right. thing... Uh, yeah, there was there was stuff in there, but it was very far few in between. Like, it would go a while without there being any kind of noticeable 3D effect. Kim Coates, I, I'm a big Kim Coates fan, so... He was the only enjoyment I got out of the movie, and he was kind of wasted. But I actually yelled at the screen at, at the end when uh, the black guy ended up surviving. 
Yeah. Uh, probably oh, probably yeah. his test audiences really liked his character. I mean, it's as bad as Mario Van Peoples at the end of Jaws 4 in that yeah. one, one cut where you see him get bit in half and then miraculously he's just got a, a little wound on his leg. I mean, when that guy came out of the sewer and was like, yeah, number one star, baby, I actually wanted to throw my remote at the TV. Oh, I, I did get I did I did get ticked off at that. That was ridiculous, that was uh, and just... that's what it reminded me of. It reminded me of the end of Jaws four when he pops up at the end, which could only mean that he was underwater holding his breath for twenty minutes. Yeah, it, it oh that Resident Evil Afterlife was so bad. Mm-hmm. I actually think at this point, being a, an older fan of the games, I haven't played anything uh, past Code Veronica, but yeah. being an older fan of the games. These movies, each one progressively, is Paul Anderson giving a bigger and bigger middle finger to the audience of the games each time going, ha, 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 I'm going to make this so bad, I'm going to see how long we can do this and still make them pay for it. Yeah, yeah, That seems to be all he's doing, is just going, how bad can I make these before they stop paying me? Yeah. Or paying to see this. (laughs) That's ridiculous to me. <laughs> I agree. I agree with you on that. <laughs> um, now, we're going to get into another film franchise in a minute, but I'm going to try something. I'm gonna, maybe this will become a regular thing if it's popular. Mm-hmm. I'm going to try and stump you on film soundtracks. You might do a pretty good job at that if it's something kind of obscure. I'm, I'm like one of those guys who uh, I'm really good at movie trivia, but I'm not good at like uh, movie quotes trivia. If well, it's something kind of obscure, all right. The, the uh, first, so, the first so yeah, one, we'll see. I mean, I might, I might do all right. I got, I got three set up for this. Mm-hmm. The first one should be: if you don't get this, I'm probably going to smack you. Okay. Okay. Because there's no way you shouldn't get this. Yeah. It's it's building. Just wait. I don't want to fast forward because it'll give it away. Is that Jaws? Nope. <laughs> What yet? Um, I don't know. Flash Gordon. Nope. <laughs> Hold on. The, the stinger is about to come in, and you should know this. I'll give you a clue. 1984. We were talking about the actor a lot last week. Adventures of Buckaroo Banzai across the 8th dimension. Oh, see, I haven't watched that movie in like 15 years. <laughs> really? Yeah. <laughs> uh, all right, this one's a tad more obscure. The only clue okay. I'll give you is the movie is public domain, and it's a famous public domain film. Okay. Think Hammer, but it's not a Hammer film. Give up? I'm sorry, I don't know. (laughs) Horror Express with... uh, Okay, again, I haven't seen that in like 15 years. Deli Savalas and... uh, Yes, 
Uh, Peter Cushing, Christopher Peter Lee. Peter Cushing, yeah. I've, I haven't seen that since I was in high school. <laughs> All right, this next one is one of my all-time favorite films. It's from the 80s, and it's from a director I know you like. Sweet. Who's the director? Toby Hooper. The score is Henry Mancini. Uh, Poltergeist. <laughs> Life Force. <laughs> I've never seen Life Force. Are you serious? Yeah, I've never seen Life Force. Oh, okay. I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm bootlegging a copy of that to you. because I Right on. That's one of those that I should have seen but haven't. I grew up watching that. That was on K- HBO, lived off that. Although, I mean, it was the, the U.S. cut, but, oh, Life Force. Space mm. vampires, Matilda May walking around naked through three-quarters of the movie, turns into a zombie film, and then a Quatermass film, and you got oh, Patrick Stewart fantastic. making out with Steve Ralsback. Yeah, seriously. Yeah. <laughs> I'm serious. Patrick Stewart's first on-screen kiss was, uh, yeah, was with Steve Ralsback. Uh, that's, yeah, that's, uh, that's one of his that, for some reason, I haven't seen, and I've seen The Fun House. Wow. <laughs> No, Life Force. I, I love that film. I thought you'd get that because I figured that's a film that's so up your alley. It's yeah, a- but yeah, it, it 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 would be. But I mean, there's I haven't seen everything. <laughs> that surprises me. <laughs> there's there's some that uh, you'd think that I that I would have seen, but for some reason or another haven't. I mean, his movie. I mean, crap. I mean, yeah, I've, I've seen the Fun House. I've seen Invaders from Mars, but I like Invaders. I think, I've, from Mars. I think I've even I think I've even seen Night Terrors. Have you um, seen, um, uh, God, uh, Spontaneous Combustion? No, I haven't seen that one. Don't. Spontane- don't watch Spontaneous Combustion? It's not a good movie. <laughs> well, it's- Eaten Alive, of course I've seen that. Well, see, the thing with Spontaneous Combustion is, it's pretty much, I want to do Firestarter, but not Firestarter. Mm-hmm. You know, the government's experimenting with psionic powers, and it's their child, and it's basically, if you take the basic plot of Firestarter, that, that's what the movie is. It's his version yeah. of a Stephen King story, and mm. it, it didn't work. I think Robert Englund's in that, although I might be wrong on that one. I nice. seem to remember that being a selling point, that Robert Englund was in that one. Yeah. Might be wrong. The film franchise. You you picked it this week, so you go. Oh, with uh, Return of the Living Dead. Return of the Living Dead, uh, I remember uh, the first time I saw Return of the Living Dead, it was when uh, me and a buddy of mine, I, I spent the night over at a buddy's place. We were in fifth grade. We rented Return of the Living Dead, and I know that I always had, had wanted to see that because the box cover for the second one always stuck out like a sore thumb with the cloud we, we, and the face the, the, the zombie, of it. The zombie over the, like... City yeah, or whatever. So that box cover to me always just completely stuck out. And then when I really started getting into these movies, I'm like, okay, I got to see that. But so we watched the first one. We rented the first one, and I remember uh, we got uh, the first one. It, it is it is a very funny. It, it's very entertaining. It's good at being what it um, is, pretty much. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's good at being a spoof, kind of, but. Kind played, of a sequel at the same time. Yeah, but played st- straight, not played like a, a spoof in like the airplane sense or stuff like that. But a, a spoof in that, yeah, it is kind of satirizing these other movies. But it's it's 
realistic in the world that it takes place in. And it's got so an amazing I, ending. Yeah, the ending is oh, that ending is awesome. And, with, oh, uh, and I got to point out the soundtrack. Yeah, I, I, I know punk's not really your style. You're more '80s, just '80s. Uh huh. I'm a punk fan. I love the soundtrack. I've got the soundtrack on LP and cassette. Yeah, there's there's some punk soundtracks that I like. But uh, I mean, the first simple. film, I got to agree with you. The first film is really damn good. Yeah. Second it, film. Uh, the second movie, granted, I haven't watched the second movie in probably ten years. But the second movie, I mean, it's got its it's got its charm to it. I like how they bring back Tom Matthews and. Uh, uh, what's his face? Uh, the other yeah, his co-worker I, I from the first t- one. Um, I know who you're talking about. I can't think of the actor's name. Yeah, I, I, I can't either. Uh, I like how I like how they bring uh, I like how they bring him uh, those two characters back, essentially playing the same characters. There, there, there's even references. I think Tom Matthews has a line like, "I swear we've done this whole thing before." Yeah, when they're yeah, getting sick. I, I like that, and I liked that. I like that whole plot in the second one with uh, like the other kids who were there when it was exposed in that that they're graveyard. slowly turning. Yeah, how they turning. I, I liked that. I mean, you know, it it kind of it it, it it was basically just doing the first one again, which I think it was very much aware of, because they brought back Tom Matthews and uh, the other dude, but um, it's not as good as the first one. See, the Um, problem I had with 2 was, it was trying too hard to be funny. The first film, in my opinion, was funny, but it wasn't slapping you in the face with the jokes. The second one, I mean, there's there's the scene where the the zombies are coming out of the grave and one puts mm-hmm. his hand up and another one steps on it and then he goes ow and then another and he does it again and then the third one he moves it and misses and another guy steps on his head yeah that's like straight out of looney tunes stuff yeah he yeah. was trying too hard to be a comedy is what i think hurt the movie more than anything else yeah yeah it was i i, I agree with that it was a little more slapsticky and 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 it in situations like that, you know, the, the movie that always isn't trying hardest to be the comedy is always the funniest. Um, it's like it's like when you look at, uh, you know, The Room and then the movie that Tommy Wiseau did afterwards. The Room's funnier. It wasn't... <laughs> meant to be funny. Have you seen how he's backstepped on that? Now he oh, claims he's... it was always meant to be a dark comedy? Oh, sure, sure. Yeah, I totally believe that. <laughs> well, and then the first film, not only was it really well made and it had a great cast... Linnea Quigley, no clothes after yeah. the first ten minutes. Exactly, and she's in the whole film. <laughs> and they actually had to put a baby doll appliance on her crotch to avoid an X rating. Oh, really? Yeah. So, so technically, she has no genitalia when she's running around naked because they had to add an appliance to her, which she <laughs> oh, said was hell great. because she couldn't go to the bathroom because the yeah. appliance took so long to take on. They couldn't take it off every time she needed to go pee. Oh, wow. So she had to go all day wearing that without being able to go to the bathroom. Oh, that's ridiculous. It's also kind of yeah, funny. And, and I like how it has own creepy touches to it, like with the animals coming back to life uh, in the taxidermy section there, like that half dog, you know, and starts the barking, and then the butterfly display with the butterflies coming to life. I mean, I remember being a kid, and and you know, I I always found the movie to be pretty funny. But uh, I remember as a kid, and, and scenes like that were were kind of creepy, and still kind of are. I, I think the Tar Man is pretty creepy. Yeah, yeah, he, he yeah, was a Tar cre- Man. He was is, a really yeah. creepy zombie, and the the ending is awesome because first of all, you don't really see it coming. No, I no, mean, you don't. You know, thirty year old plot spoiler here. 
who who sees them nuking the entire town to try and stop the zombies? Yeah, uh-huh. and, and then the rain starting the whole cycle over again. But yeah, no one's gonna, especially in a, especially in a, uh, in a zombie movie that for for the most part is a comedy. I mean, yeah, it's it's dark. It, it is a dark movie, but it's it's also meant to make you laugh. Also, it is also a comedy, and you certainly wouldn't expect that kind of very shocking ending in that is when it like freeze frames and dissolves away and when it show, right it shows when the Tom f- Matthews pops up and Gulliger is holed up in that attic no um you, uh, or not Gulliger I'm sorry you, uh, the guy from uh, the guy from Weekend at Bernie's uh, yeah uh, I was going to say Gulliger is uh, in the basement with the where, yeah. the where the tar man came from after they knocked his head off but uh, what What's his name? Uh, Polly from Weekend at Bernie's, who was the uh, mortuary guy. And I, I, I remember, I just remember him from an early Night Court episode. I yeah, him on that cause he, <laughs> he's got those big bug eyes. Yeah, I but, actually met him uh, not too long ago. He was a cool guy. Um, he, he seems like he would have been. Uh, Don Calfa, that's it. That's it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. He was also in uh, Treasure of the Moon Goddess with Linnea. Also, he, he was <laughs> he was like her sleazy agent in that. But the mm-hmm. the thing I liked about Return of the Living Dead that most people have not seen is the work print has an epilogue after the nuke, and it's oh, a very oh it, really yeah it's a very X Files style epilogue where all the remains of the zombies and whatnot after Louisville were put mm-hmm. into some train cars so the government could study them. But due yeah. to because you remember how they got the Tarman zombie due to a paperwork error. Yeah. Due to another paperwork error, the train cars ended up being lost. I.e., oh. i.e., setting up this uh, uh, what would have been the sequel for that. Mm-hmm. For some reason, which the uh, that epilogue, which is pretty cool, was cut out of the movie. But but that epilogue is on the work print. And unfortunately, today, I'm going to say to all the listeners: do not get Return of the Living Dead on DVD. Find an old VHS of it or the Laserdisc. I've got it on DVD uh, back before my uh, stuff was taken. Well, it's not the preferred version. It's missing half of the punk songs from the soundtrack. They couldn't get the licensing rights to them. Oh, so oh man, I I hate it when that happens. So the V, you you know, you'll hear the same song pop up two, three times in the DVD version. In in the the VHS version has more songs. Yeah, that was that happened to me when I got the VHS of a Slapshot. And all the music was taken out of it. Yeah, you just kind of... I hate that. That's a whole other show complaining about that. But yeah, try to find a VHS copy because the soundtrack works so much better than the DVD does. While the DVD (laughs) may look better, the audio on the VHS is going to sound better. Yeah, I've still got my uh, hard shell VHS of it. I don't have a hard shell of that. I got one of the old HBO uh, Thorn copies. That's what mine is. It's the HBO copy, but it's it's uh, one of the hard sh- copies of it. Okay. Not cut. Not cut to fit in a hard shell. Oh, it was meant uh, to. Okay. Yeah, because yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, I wouldn't have gotten it if they cut the box. See, before that came out on DVD, this is when DVD existed. Though, found a place that was selling. A, it was like a, a department store that was going out of business. They had like ten copies for a buck a piece of the HBO Thorn one. I bought mm-hmm. all of them and sold them on eBay for at least twenty bucks a piece. What did you think of uh, the third one? I liked it. I thought the thing I didn't like was it threw out the rules. Yeah. Because there it had zombies biting people's shoulders and legs, and instead of just going for the brains, it just turned them kind of into zombie zombies. Uh Uh-huh. I didn't like that. But 
I you really feel bad for uh, uh, what's the character's name? The actress is Mindy Clark, but I can't. Uh, Julie. Yeah. You really feel bad for Julie. Mm-hmm. You know, the, I mean, literally the horror she's going through and how much she's fighting her urge to eat people. That's hard to bring a, about. Maybe it's her performance. Maybe it was Yuzna's direction. Or, or was that Kevin Yager? I can't remember if that was Yager or Yuzna that, that directed that one. That directed the third one? Yeah, it was either Yager or Yuzna. I can't remember which. Yuzna. Okay. You know, something in that worked the way it it just happened. And you really feel bad for poor Julie. And that's kind of hard to do in a movie like that, yet they somehow accomplished it. It was It was... A different way to go with the movie. And, you know, it made sense, because with the second one, they basically just did the first one again. As a, but as a um, sitcom, basically. Yeah, and, and with the third... I mean, the, even the first one and the second one don't really have a, any sort of continuity between the two of them. So, you know, in, in regards to that, it's like this kind of anthology series. I mean, the, the parts, they don't... The second one doesn't... Uh, it's a loosely connected anthology. Because they still use the 245 trioxin name for the chemical uh, and things like yeah, that. Yeah, th- th- there is that, but I mean, uh, how events turn out in the first one and the second one, I mean, it, it almost, each of these movies seems like the other one didn't really didn't really happen in the same universe. But with the third one, it's interesting about the third one. It was it was I like I liked the way that they went with it. It was it it was interesting. Uh and the first time I saw the third one, I didn't know it was Return of the Living Dead three until it was over. Because when I first saw the third one, it was maybe five minutes in. It was it was it was shortly after the opening credit sequence. So you um, you missed the titles. I missed the title. And I it, it Sorry, was on. Me. It was on Cinemax one night, and I watched it. I thought it was really entertaining. I re- what's his name? Uh, Basil Wallace, who plays uh, played Riverman. Uh, oh, okay. I, I just I just like that actor. But well, um, and you got uh, Kent McCord as the dad, or the yeah. and the colonel, or whatever his rank was. The, yeah, the colonel. I can't remember what his rank was. And, and then you got uh, one of the villains from the Phantom Zone as the evil scientist. Yeah. Uh, I, again, I, I'm t- tonight I'm b- totally brain farting on c- actors' names, so I apologize. Normally both Brad and I know a lot of this stuff. <laughs> <laughs> and we both seem to be brain farting on people's names tonight. But, <laughs> but I just remember her as being one of the Phantom Zone criminals from Superman 1 and 2. Yeah. Well, and I, she, she was the evil man. queen in uh, Conan the Destroyer. Oh, I wish she I hadn't was, brought that up. <laughs> I Crap, it's Sarah Douglas? I have no idea. I, uh, I think that's it. Sarah Douglas? Uh, I want to say it's like kind of normal, basic-sounding name like that. Uh, mm. um, but I know exactly who you're talking about. Okay. To me, the third one, like you said, I like the fact that they tried to do something different with it. Yeah, that that they didn't want to just we're gonna do the first film again. Yeah, exactly. They did do, and what they did with it, it certainly was more horror than it was comedy, and, and uh, it was more personal too. I mean, because yeah. it more or less had two main characters, and that was it. Mm-hmm. And Mindy Clark really did a good job. She did. She did. I mean, when she's like putting little, the glass through her arm because the yeah, pain, yeah. It, because the pain makes the hunger diminish. Yeah. So she can not eat her boyfriend. Yeah. That's, that's that's interesting. That's really interesting. Now you saw you saw the fourth one and the fifth one, right? On Sci-Fi Channel, though. So technically, I really haven't seen them uncut. But yeah, four and five were really really bad. 
necropolis and rave to the grave. grave. God. Rave to the grave. That just sounds like House of the Dead again. <laughs> well, actually, I don't think House of the Dead had come out yet at that point. Or <laughs> m- maybe it did. Right. It but was about it, it five might... years ago that those well, movies came out. William Butler directed either one or both of those. You, you know the the guy that's been killed by Freddy, Jason, and Leatherface. Yeah, he he, he directed those, and I don't know how. Uh, <laughs> you know who uh, Peter Peter Coyote? Peter Coyote is in those, and I swear he just had facial surgery. So he, are both of has, those movies? They were shot they, back to back, and both in like nudity with each other. Yes and no. Uh-huh. It, you almost get the feeling that they're labeled out of order, that 5 takes place before 4. Yeah. And just for some reason they decided that maybe what was shot as 4 was a weaker film, so we'll put that last. Like they did with Missing in Action? Yeah, yeah. They, they just <laughs> well, uh, Nobody's going to pay attention to the continuity of these things anyway. <laughs> well, um, is it one of, because I I I never did get around to seeing them. I I didn't particularly want want to see them. But was it one of those? Did they just slap the title "Return of the Living Dead" on them? And are, are they even really, comedies? Th- well, maybe not intentional comedies. Sure, they're, yeah. they're almost all bad acting straight through. So you get a lot yeah. of laughs out of that, and then the, all the plot holes. But they actually do use the by name two four five trioxin. Yeah, which well, in, which well. implies that they were shot as sequels because it would I think it would have been hard to just shoehorn in the two four five trioxin after the fact. Yeah. So, it, but but like you have to see him just for Peter Coyote because Peter Coyote has this permanent creepy Joker style grin on his face no matter what happened. You know, it, <laughs> it, it was like it was like he'd gotten punched and his jaw was wired shut. Oh and he, man! And it doesn't look like he's even trying to act in these things. Oh man. He's not even trying. <laughs> so you need you need to see and like I said, I, I can't remember if he's in one or both because I saw on the sci fi channel they aired them both back to back, so I'm yeah. like I'm most likely confusing plot details from one to the other. Yeah. But he was just so laughably bad. What's in, that in those. sweet rave to the grave money? Ugh. Well and and, <laughs> and and it was another one of those that and again, I might be wrong on the country, but it was shot overseas, to, but it takes yeah. place in America. It was like shot in Romania, but it's supposed to be, you know, small town Alabama. And it doesn't work. There's all the European architecture and, you know, all the secondary characters clearly have accents and things like that. So it doesn't pull off America at all, which and is really weird. I just, I never had, I never had the urge to watch either one of them because every time I would see the box cover in the store, it always screamed. And, and you said that about the toxin, so that's, yeah, it, that's, two, that's four, one five thing, trioxin it, is mentioned. It always screamed to me like one of those situations, like, you know, Day of the Dead 2 contagion. Contagium, which doesn't even, or, that, that doesn't even make sense. Yeah, yeah, you know, stuff, it always screamed to me like this, they don't even look like, there's when you look at the box covers for them, they don't even look like Return to, other than the zombies, but they don't even look like Return of the Living Dead movies. They don't look like there's anything humorous about them. <laughs> would, would you would you have preferred if uh, they were Zombie Nine and Ten? <laughs> would you prefer if they released them like that just to torment you? <laughs> I'm sure. You know what? I honestly wouldn't I, be surprised. You know, maybe, maybe, maybe they have, maybe they have more to do with that series than uh, Return of the Living Dead. <laughs> well, I was gonna say I wouldn't be surprised if there's some weird foreign release that does have them just listed as zombie with an, you know some number. 
Oh that yeah, that really wouldn't yeah, surprise none me. None of those movies. Yeah, those. That's that's a good example right there of something of of titles that just have the word zombie slapped on there. Zombie four after death, even though it wasn't made as zombie four. Well, like I have, you know, I'm referring to the film Zombie, the one with the the shark and the splinter through the eye and everything. It's one of my favorite zombie movies. I've got a copy of that as Zombie, and I also yeah. have an American VHS called Zombie 2, The Dead Are Among Us. Yeah. And, uh-huh. but, and it's the same film. Yeah. So I don't know why, since they were calling it Zombie earlier, why all of a sudden I've got a weird, let's see what the copyright, 1992 release of this called Zombie 2, The Dead Are Among Us. Well, you know why it's got the alternate Yeah, I know why it's got the alternate two, titles, right? but but I thought in America they were all just called Zombie. Oh, oh okay, sure, yeah. I, um, what surprises me is the fact that it's an American release that has the Zombie 2 thing. I have a... That surprises me, too, in that it's a VHS, and what would you say it was from, 92? 92. Uh, let me that, see surpri- that surprises me, too, because, you know, I mean, in that... That didn't really happen a lot back then. Using like because I mean that that certainly happens now because I I've got a, I've got a DVD of that that's called Zombie Two and and the DVD part is you know clearly aware that you know Zombie Two it's although although I I guess I mean Zombie Two is kind of the official title the original title for it right but but, um, but what's funny is the on screen title in the movie is still just Zombie is still just Zombie it's just the box and the tape itself that are called Zombie 2. It's released by a company... I mean, you and I pride ourselves on VHS knowledge. T-Z Video. I've never... T-Z, as in Z. I've never even heard of this company before. It's like some quick fly-by-night company, and then it's got another thing called ED Entertainment. E-D-D-E Entertainment. Uh Uh-huh. I've never even heard of this company before this. I I've never come across that before. And what's really uh-huh. what's really funny? The stuff on the cover says the Lucio Fulci classic. Then the title, and it says, "Warning: Viewer discretion advised. This film contains violence and nudity." That's just weird to me. Yeah, um, there was a there was a copy of it that I had once where the title on screen was not the not the box cover, but the title on screen was "Zombies" plural. <laughs> well, like I just picked up a uh, Godfrey Ho film called "Challenge the Ninja." Not, oh, I've got that one. Not yeah. Challenge of the Ninja. Mm-hmm. Challenge the Ninja. Yet the cop, yeah. it's copyrighted under the title Challenge of the Ninja. But here's the funny part. When you open it up, the tape is labeled Challenge of Ninja. Challenge of Ninja. So th- <laughs> on the cover, it's Challenge the Ninja. The tape is called Challenge of Ninja. I mean, how do you screw that up? How do you screw that up, Ed? And it's it, just like that one you pointed out, Death Fire or something like that? Uh, dress to Fire. Dress to Fire. One of the pictures on the back of the box is not even from this movie. Right, yeah. All it's, the pictures that on seems the back to be of that some... box were from, were, were, were from uh, American Commando 2. It just seems to be something with Godfrey Ho films. Like, he just says, don't even try. Just mm-hmm. j- just put the damn box out. I don't care. It's I, a, it surprises me, too, that how un... Professional? How, well, no, but more so how uncategorized a lot of those movies are. I mean, a lot of those don't even have any entries on, like, say, IMDb or other film sites. Like, but but movie, but um, you know, even though something like Dressifier, like the one you were talking about, and um, Hunting American Commando Two, Hunting Express, are easily available on VHS. Yeah, I've got one that. I- 
I can't even find a, a real. I mean, I found like a couple now, but when I got the tape a couple of years ago, it's called Ninja in Action. It's in one of those. Yeah. It's a Godfrey Ho film, but it's uh, he's under a pseudonym as yeah. as usual. It barely has an IMDb. Yeah, and it's like I've got the tape. Yeah, I, I've had a couple movies where if I didn't have the tape in my hand. I can't find any evidence online that this exists. You know, right? I'll, I'll Google yeah. the I'll Google the cast. I'll Google the title. I'll IMDb it. If if I wasn't holding the tape, I'd swear the tape that movie doesn't exist. Yeah. Except that, I've got the tape in my hand and I can watch it. That dress to fire is like that. You know. It's just funny in this age of the internet that uh-huh. that a movie can fall to the wayside that deep that it just sort of goes away. Is and I find that happens a lot with his movies. Um, He's also, you know, not very good at anything, so you have to keep that. <laughs> I, in enjoy, I, I enjoy him. I, I think he's a, very, I think he's a very uh, entertaining I'm, I'm, director. I'm talking on the merits of a good director, of like, you know, a Ridley Scott or a Stanley Kubrick. I, well, sure. I mean, yeah, compared to really know, like Stanley Kubrick, but I mean, um, I'm surprised Godfrey Ho can, is actually able to keep actors in frame half the time. Well, I think that Godfrey Ho is when you take a, when you look at just his fight sequences. Even some of his gunfights, I think that he's actually kind of underrated as a uh, as a choreographer in those scenes. Okay. I really like how he does those scenes. They're v- the fight choreography I find rather convincing. I the guys clearly know what they do- they're doing. He he legitimately knows where to point the camera. You just have a man crush on Pierre. Keeps Kirby. things going very very fast. <laughs> I mean, even in his other movies, like some of the Richard Harrison ones, you know, he keeps things going at a very fast pace, uh, and and the gun battles too. The, I I think they're very, I think that they're very well done. I I actually find them to be kind of underrated in that regard. Okay, looking at I disagree, as, but okay, looking at him as a choreographer, well, taking away a lot of other stuff about that move about those movies. Well, th- this is a topic for a whole other show, but. That that just reminds me of a good topic of directors that shouldn't be directors but should be some other position on the movie because they're uh-huh. really good at one thing, yeah. like like you know they really know how to to light a scene, but they're yeah. a horrible director. You know that, sure. that they should be a cinematographer and that's it. I, I think I think that'd be a good discussion for another show. Godfrey Ho should have been like a short film director or or, or just a fight choreographer. No, I, I I cut. I, Right, right, yeah. Um, I mean, I that dress to fire thing. I I took out all of the uh, the movie that he inserted footage into. Okay. I took out all of the uh, pre-existing footage, which was like an hour's worth of the movie. Damn. I took out all of that and just put together the Godfrey Ho footage, the Pierre Kirby footage. You know, put it together. It came out to about seventeen minutes, <laughs> <laughs> and I put it on YouTube. And when you watch it, like. Man, this is this isn't confusing at all. It, it, it's a really good short a film. In, yeah, this is kind of a really kicking seventeen-minute short film. Um, have you picked up any VHSs lately? No, uh, uh, no, I haven't. I haven't. I haven't gotten the chance to. Uh, I, I went um, pillaging. Huh? I, I went pillaging. I found a little hole in the wall store. Bought a bunch of stuff for a couple of bucks a piece. Oh, cool! cool. The, the yeah, one we, that I'm really proud of. And I didn't even know this was available on VHS. I knew it was on Laserdisc, so I guess I should have assumed it. I found yeah. the Rick Springfield pilot for Forever Night, Nick Knight, on VHS. Oh, nice. The Rick Springfield version from 89. 
Oh, beautiful. So uh, that was really cool. I got some weird film called Death Before Dishonor I've never heard of. just seems like an action flick. Yeah, I've, I've heard of that. I think, I think I might actually have a copy of that. Um, and I got one that looks really interesting. I haven't had a chance to IMDb it yet. It, mm-hmm. it's, it's a big box from Academy. It's called yeah. Puzzle. It, it's from the 70s. It looks like it's an underwater treasure hunter type oh, movie. Oh, nice. It's just called Puzzle. I've never heard of it. There's no actors I recognize their names on the cover, but it's a nice Academy big box. I did get uh, one from 80 or 81 called Best of Times, which is uh, a pilot for something that was never picked up or series. It's supposed to be sort of like a teenage laugh-in, so kind of oh, like God. you can't do that okay. on television. All right. But this one, this one, it's it's it featuring in the cast is Crispin Glover and in his first acting role ever, uh, Nick Cage. Really? Even okay. So, was he still Nick Coppola then? I believe. He, yeah, he was probably. I haven't. I haven't taken a look at the whole thing yet. But he's probably Nicholas Coppola in it because it's before. It's before Fast Times at Ridgemont High. Okay. Oh yeah. Speaking of Nick Cage, uh, I told you this privately. I'm going to say it right on the radio here. Since you got a new Nick Cage series. If you yeah. don't, if you don't do Kiss of Death, we're gonna have problems, dude. I'm definitely gonna do Kiss of Death. That's one of the most underrated. Yeah, Nick Cage I movies. love Kiss of Death, and well, and not just Nick Cage, David Caruso and Helen Hunt and Samuel oh. L. Jackson and Michael yeah. Rappaport, and I'm probably Rappaport. I'm probably forgetting a couple of cast members there that are oh, good. Dude. David Caruso is awesome in that, and I know how weird that sounds, but he's awesome in that movie. Caruso, he's an awesome actor. Uh, Caruso, he was. Oh, I loved him on NYPD Blue and Kiss of Death. I loved Kiss of Death. Kiss of Death is a, that's a really good crime thriller. And Nick Cage is that crazy villain that he plays. He's that, basically that a steroid case almost. Yeah, and he's bench pressing that stripper. <laughs> <laughs> that is more than awesome. Yeah, yeah, that's that's uh, yeah, that's that's going to be I think I'm going to do uh Best of Times next for uh, my uh this Nick Cage series I'm doing but I am going to get I am definitely going to get to Kiss of Death cuz that's 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 just an underrated movie in general. I got to go find that now. I've I've got a VHS of that, but I got to go see if that's on DVD. I, yeah, I think it is. Okay. I think I, I think I've come across that on DVD I'll like ha- a bare bones thing, but yeah. Well, I'll have to <coughs> Cinemageddon that one if it's around. Yeah. I'll have to Cinemageddon <laughs> that I think. Bootleg mm-hmm. cuz uh, <laughs> I'm unemployed. I can't afford it right now. Sure, yeah. So, all right, we're running out of time here, so if there's anything you want to say, um, what do you got coming up this next week? Uh, just working on my uh, series, uh, the, the finale of my series, Hooker with a Heart of Gold, and then I'm... Uh, Any more snobs? And Oh, yeah, yeah, I'm uh, doing uh, the uh, Italian Batman, which is... <laughs> uh, <laughs> like Turkish Batman, only with porn. And by the time this airs, hopefully you will have remembered to put up the next It Came From Beyond Midnight. Oh, yeah, that'll be put up this weekend. And it's a Christmas movie, and I don't want any crap over that. These, The next three are Christmas movies, and they were meant to come up before Christmas, but things conspired against us. So I don't want to hear any crap over them being Christmas movies. Deal with it. <laughs> all right? So, all right. Radiodrome, you can contact us at 1201beyond at gmail.com and you can check out the forum under Lost in the Static at Jackalope's website or the new forum that Brad just added to his website. So TheCinemasnob.com. TheCinemasnob.com. I already plugged it earlier. Can't just keep <laughs> plugging away at that, man. 
<laughs> you you kind of paused there for a second, so I thought you were waiting for me to chime in. Well, I was just going to see if you wanted to say anything, you know, before good night. Oh no, no, I'm I'm fine. All right, <laughs> well, good night. I got my I got my website out of the way. <laughs> All right, good night. <laughs>